Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. I don't know about you, but sometimes those words come back to me and they shake me up. Sometimes it happens when I'm having a nice meal at one of Roseville's fine establishments, or when I'm vacationing in a beautiful place, or when I'm just snuggled up in front of the TV on a winter day, warm, blankets, watching the Vikings game. You received what was good during your lifetime, dot, dot, dot. But what about the life after? I mentioned in the beginning of Mass that the Word of God comforts the afflicted, and the Word of God also afflicts the comfortable. So this morning, if this word you just heard shakes you up a little bit, then thank God. Thank God that He won't just allow us to stay in a place of being unconcerned or uncaring for our neighbor. Thank God that that word is actually impacting us, even if it's shaking us up. It means that God is concerned for where it will be for all eternity. He wants this word to help us. So let's thank God if this shakes us a little bit this morning. A fine meal, a nice vacation, a warm house. None of these things is bad in itself. But if I'm always just living for the good life, while Lazarus is living the miserable life, and I don't care about Lazarus, and I'm not doing anything about Lazarus outside my very door, then my soul is in danger. That's how serious this parable is today for us. Now, right off the bat, I think that for some of us, we can be confronted and feel a little bit overwhelmed by this challenge. I mean, think about all the injustice and misery in the world that we could describe. Like, how can I bring peace to Ukraine? How can I end human trafficking? How can I end poverty in Roseville? How can I stave off ecological disasters? But remember that in this parable, the rich man is not condemned for his inability to correct massive, complex, global problems. No, the rich man is condemned for his failure to take care of a single person living right outside his door. A man who he sees every day. A man who just wants to be seen and acknowledged as human a man who's asking for so little. Lazarus just wants a little bit of clothing and a little bit of food. He asks for so little. It's clear that the rich man, as Jesus said last week to us, the rich man, his master is not God, his master is mammon. His wealth, his possessions, the good life is who he serves. 
And he's so attached to living the good life that even though he walks by Lazarus every single day, he actually becomes blind to him. He can't even see him anymore. He stepped around Lazarus like you or I would just step around a pile of trash on the sidewalk and just keep on going. The rich man actually uses Lazarus for his own ends, even in the afterlife. Even in torment, the rich man tries to make Lazarus serve him. Oh, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus over here with some cool water to cool my tongue. I'm burning up here. It's like he's made him into his errand boy, even in the afterlife. Here's a great truth. Unless we serve the poor, we will lose our very selves. Unless we serve the poor, we will lose our very selves. If we treat the poor just like trash to be thrown away, stepped around, walked over, then we become nameless. The rich man isn't even named in the parable. Lazarus has a name. Abraham knows Lazarus. The rich man just kind of fades into oblivion. He's never given a name. In this life, he received what was good. People knew him. He was a big deal. But in the next life, the rich man receives what is bad. The thing is, it could have been different. It could have been really different. God didn't ask the rich man to bring about world peace. He just asked him to help a single person who was right next to him, right by his door. Friends, this word should should shake us up this morning and make us ask, who is Lazarus in my life? Who is that single person who is right by my door right next to me, asking for so little. Who's Lazarus who maybe I've just seen so many times and just kind of walked by that now I just don't even see him. I just step around him like on the sidewalk. Who's that single person that God is calling us to serve and to help? All of us here in this church who are baptized share the vocation to love. It's the vocation of all the baptized. Whether you're married or single or young or old or ordained or not, our vocation is to love, to share God's love with others. And that love has to become concrete in specific deeds. It's got to become incarnate. So let's just get real concrete and just, just ask some questions of our souls this morning. How can we serve Lazarus in our lives and not just walk by him? First of all, we can ask ourselves, do we know what the seven corporal works of mercy are? These beautiful works of of the saints throughout history, things like feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick. Every week, are we mindful of trying to do one of those in some way? to someone nearby to us. We can ask ourselves, do we tithe our income? Do we give a percent of our income and we give it to the poor? We give it to the church? 
so that someone else can have a little bit of a better life. We can ask ourselves, do we keep some cash in our wallets? So when we meet someone in need, someone who might be locked out of the modern economy, they don't have any credit, they don't have any assets, we can at least give them a meal. We can ask ourselves, do we have by our front door, inside our homes, a a poor box, a place where you just put extra money, extra change, little gifts where someday we know that we're going to give this to someone else. We can share this with them. We can ask ourselves, is God calling me to join the St. Vincent de Paul Society, like we heard about last week? This new society at St. Rose, which is friends together, simply finding Lazarus in our midst, calling him by name, serving him, taking care of him in some small way, the poor right next to us. Is God calling me to that? We can ask ourselves, who is the person who's excluded or passed over that I can spend time with? That person at, at school, at the lunchroom, is always by themselves. No one talks to them. They just step, step around. Maybe it's the person at the staff lounge at the office who people would just kind of move away from. It's God calling me to sit down with that person and to know them and to spend time with them, to know their name. Finally, we can ask ourselves, am I willing to bring Lazarus into my home? Will I bring someone who's poor into my own home? This gets really challenging because, you know, our homes are our place of refuge, our place where we're comfortable, we're safe, and it's it's not, not for no reason that we call our homes our castle sometimes. We can keep out who we don't want to come in. But from the beginnings of our faith in the time of the apostles, and even back to our Jewish roots, the people of God have brought the poor and the homeless and the suffering into their homes. A few years ago, I was living with some other men, and someone knocked on the door, whose name was John, and he just asked us. He was, he was a poor, wandering man. He just said, can I stay overnight here? And we're like, ah, uh, uh, let me think about that. And so we, we had him sleep on, on the porch, okay? So it was, it was cold. It wasn't like winter, but it was like 50 degrees. Gave him some blankets, kind of chilly, and and then after, the next day, we're like, we're like this, this guy seems all right. Like, we should just bring him in the house. So we brought him in the house. He took a shower. He stayed a couple nights in a bed. And then and he, he moved on. He just kept on going, and he was very thankful. And I thought about that like, wow, like, I made Jesus sleep on my porch for a night. <laughs> I, I made Lazarus just sleep outside one more night because I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know. This is my castle. I thought about that a lot. You know, St. John Chrysostom, he, he told his parishioners over a thousand years ago, he said, listen, I realize that for a lot of you, this is a big challenge. And you might even be saying like, yeah, but people who are poor, like they're, they're filthy, they're unclean, they're unkempt. St. John Chrysostom was like, well, fine. Then let them take a bath. Give them some clean clothes if you're worried about that. And he said to his parishioners over a thousand years ago, listen, if this is Christ coming to you in this distressing disguise, then shouldn't you give him the best room in the house? But even if you don't want to do that, at least let him sleep in your garage or on the porch. 
At least do that. And St. John said, and listen, okay, if you don't want to have them sit with you at your dinner table, okay, fine, but at least give them a plate of food from your dinner table. At least do something for poor Lazarus in your midst. And don't just say, well, it's just nothing I can do. Especially when that person is right at your door. Lazarus, right at your door. Brothers and sisters, today, we don't only have Moses and the prophets to warn us. Truly, a man has risen from the dead and has spoken to us, our Lord Jesus. He warns us not to walk by Lazarus, not to step around him, but to see in him our divine Savior, to see in him the image of God, to see in him ourselves, even a friend, a brother, a sister. The, the one who became poor so we could become rich is about to descend on this altar again in the Eucharist. We believe many amazing things about the Eucharist. The church teaches us that it's truly the body and blood of Christ. It's him under these signs. The church teaches us that when we receive the Eucharist, we're, we're strengthened for our Christian journey. Very true. But one thing that is often not talked about enough is that when we receive the Eucharist, the Eucharist commits us to the poor. The Eucharist commits us to the poor. It's like a commission. It's like saying, like, okay, if I have received this amazing banquet from God, then I'm called to put on that banquet for someone else. If the Lord has hosted me poor and weak as I am and fed me with his divine life, then how much more am I called to go out and share that and host another with that same love? So friends, today I really invite you to to discern this because that's what we're committing to if you receive Holy Communion. Are all of us ready to not step around Lazarus but to serve him? And if, if, if we aren't ready for that, if we aren't ready to make that commitment in some way, that's okay. There's, there's, there's no judgment there. And if you're like, if that's what Holy Communion means, like, I don't know if I can do that, that's okay. Like, no one has to receive communion at Mass. But if we do receive the Lord today, if we do take him into ourselves, and let's remember that the Eucharist commits us to Lazarus. It commits us to the poor it's us when we say amen, saying, amen, I'm not going to step around Lazarus. Amen, I will share a little bit of my good life so that someone else's life can be a little bit better. The Eucharist commits us to Lazarus.